Hey guys, Jared Syke Lawrence here, founder of modernflirting.com, and you are listening to episode 15 of the Modern Flirting Podcast. Today, I have, of course, the lovely Jamie joining me, and special guest is Nicholas Bayer. Uh, he is the CEO of the BillionDollarBody.com and best you know, selling book, Modern Day Businessman. Thank you so much, Nick. Dude, I appreciate it. And I appreciate you for putting this whole thing together. First off, I was 60 pounds overweight, which we may get into a little bit how that affected me. Yet at the time, I didn't have someone that could just show me an episode or a Facebook ad target me to help me get the result. I had to kind of figure it out on my own and go through the grapevine. And, and I really, truly believe that if something can trigger you for the negative, and something triggered me to gain 60 pounds, then also that can happen in a second for the positive as well. So I'm hoping to create the positive versions of those triggers, something that happens that changes everything forever. And I appreciate you for creating a space to do that. Okay, well, thank you so much. Great place. So the, how, I mean, what the podcast has traditionally been about is you know, a lot of dating experts, tips on flirting, tips on getting relationships, meeting women, especially you know, for men. Uh, I believe you're our first official, but more like a business uh, coach and business mentor, but why don't you tell everybody else more specifically exactly what it is that you do in your area of expertise? Yeah, it's a great question. I appreciate that. So I was 60 pounds overweight, like I had talked about. I grew up in a pretty broken family. My parents, I thought divorced when I was four, I figured out that they never actually married. So I was like, oh, well, I guess they split up when I was four. I wrote my first suicide letter when I was seven because of their fighting. It was all because of me. They would have never talked again. So I had all these like emotional things that we kind of take through life. And that led me to just wanting my dad's approval, which actually got me rejected by my dad. When I got rejected by my dad, I just felt like no one believed in me. So I stopped believing in me. Little did I know people actually did believe in me. I didn't believe in me. So I only looked at what everyone was doing as if they didn't believe in me as well, that reaffirmed my already current belief. That led me down a path of giving up in high school, gave up on being a professional athlete, gave up on everything. I gained 60 pounds. And that was the first step that we teach now is that I had one moment that changed me forever that got me to lose the 60 pounds. And I saw that through losing the 60 pounds, I was able to go out there and meet people, meet women, and eventually meet my now wife of eight and a half years. My son's nine months. And that would have never happened if I didn't take that first step, which is interesting because I also would have never gotten on this podcast. And so everything, they say how you do one thing is how you do everything. Sure, it sounds really, really good. Yet I found that what we actually want out of life sometimes gets affected by something way over here that we see, we think is like totally different. Like I would never get on the show if I wouldn't have lost the weight because I would have never been confident and also wasn't taking care of myself. And if I don't value myself, how can I expect other people to value me more than I value me? It's a really good question. So the next step of that phase is that I didn't have a girlfriend for seven years. Didn't have any girlfriend throughout all of high school. In middle school, I was like, kind of like had all these girls and stuff, right? Like I had the middle school dating where you date every single girl in middle school, or that's what it's even called, junior high. And then high school, no girlfriend. So seven years of a stint of no girlfriend. And then I got married to my wife. And that was like, my goal was to, to find that partner that was like almost two people that were really cut from the same cloth and I was almost getting sewed back together. That was kind of my, my outlook. But to be honest, and this is a long version to get to where, where you want me to be, I promise it's kind of come together. <laughs> it, I, I thought I was going to die by the time I was 30 and never get married. I thought I'm just going to live life hardcore. I'm going to die by the time I'm 30 and I'm not going to get married. So I wasn't seeking this whole thing. But if I was going to do something, I want that like some type of crazy connection. So then I got married and I was broke. And I thought like, I have all the things that money can't buy. I have my health, 
I'm like fit now. I got a six pack. I'm like, this is amazing. Still wasn't enough. I got my wife and I'm like, I got all these things that people can't buy yet. I feel like I'm called to go out there and actually do something with my life. And, and with this blessing that I have to go build something. And for three years, I, I didn't create any money in business. And I started working with men and losing weight, just how I did. And I noticed that they had other issues. And so I created this thing called a three-dimensional businessman, which works with men that own businesses. And our goal is to help them optimize the business and also have the tools inside of relationships and inside of health as well. So they can optimize the businessman to go out there and build a business. So with that, I built the brotherhood, which is the number one men's mastermind. And the only one that focuses on health, wealth, and relationships for men that own businesses only. And our goal is that through those men and transforming households, that we actually have the credentials to go out there and consult every major world leader on how they should run their country. So that's where we're going right now. And that's what we do. And we do it through educational platforms and live events like you've seen before as well and retreat centers. We have one in Waco that's coming up with about 50 people. It's hard to find one place that sleeps 50 guys at once, which is interesting. And we do high transformational experiences. And one different thing real quick. Dude, group of guys too. Like I see their guys posting and they're really like caring and helpful. And they, I've seen a lot of masterminds and yours is easily one of the top ones that I've come across. Thanks dude. And I, and I really think about that as the filter. I go to men's groups and it's like, if anyone else has been in a men's group, so I'm sure they have if they follow you because they've somehow been searching for something. No one listening to this podcast right now is listening just for fun. You have something that you want. You want to learn. You want to grow. You want, you want more love life. You want to be more confident, whatever it is. There's something that you want. So you've probably been to other men's groups and you ask, I haven't been able to meet this girl. How should I respond to this girl? And you have like all these guys, oh, you know, Effer and Chucker, like, you know, all these different opinions and they're all over the place. And I try to create a space where it's higher quality conversation is probably the, the nicest way that I could put it. So what made that switch to lose a 60 pounds? It sounds like one key moment uh, made that happen, but I, I also know that it is a decision you have to make every single day consistently totally. if you're going. So like, what was going through your head that went from that guy mentality, I guess, to you know who you are now? It's a really great question. And I think it's relevant for everyone because we all have these things called uh, self-consciousness is, is the word that's popularly used or self-esteem, but self-consciousness I love because what I found is self-consciousness is really just being conscious of yourself only. Like you're so worried about yourself. Like, oh, I used to wear a sweatshirt every single day in high school because I was overweight. I had to cover my man boobs. So I was like, oh man, I got my man boobs. I got to cover them up. How's my shirt look? How does this look? How's this feel? And I'm always worried about myself and I was super self-conscious. So for me, my first negative thing was my dad telling me I'd never be the best motocross racer in the world. I know that sounds really childish, but he said, you'll never be the best. And I was like, I never want to talk to you again. So I didn't talk to my dad for three and a half years. And I just went down this road of, video game addiction. I mean, even when after I got married, I had times where I'd play, like I'd feel purposeless and I'd be playing app games on my phone in the bed. And then she would look at me and kind of put it down. And she'd be like, what are you doing? What do you mean? What am I doing? You know, like I'm triggered because I'm trying to hide this thing. She falls asleep and I'd be up in my room. You would think like, oh, he's like looking at porn and stuff. It's like, no, I was actually building some stupid castle on a dumb game. And I got addicted to video games, played 365 days, played on one game. That's an average of 10 hours a day, even while I was in school. Didn't meet any people. No wonder I didn't meet any girls. And then also I'm at school and I just remember this moment because at this point, think about this, self-conscious. I was taping down. I didn't know pasties were a thing. Like Jamie's probably like, yeah, pasties are a thing. No, like I legit taped down my nipples every single day 
because I, I, it made me not look like I had man boobs, right? I didn't have these perky little man nipple things. And so I'd tape them down and I had all this routine. And so every single day I was covering up because someone had once called me out and said, Nicholas, like you got man boobs. So I, I ended up only wearing shirts with these huge logos. So they weren't as like soft of a fabric. I wore the same sweatshirt every day till the point where if you put up the hoodie, it was a different color because it faded from the sun. It was insane. 110 degrees, didn't care. I acted like I was cold. And so all of a sudden this kid pulled out a bag of fruit and I was on that cinnamon roll chocolate milk diet, hot chocolate in the winter, uh, regular chocolate milk in the summer. And then these big cinnamon rolls this big. I don't know if you guys remember these, but they were like- Cinnabons? Yeah, very similar. So every day I'm doing this thing and, and this guy pulled out a bag of fruit and I just asked him. And I say this because it doesn't have to be so crazy to have a transformation. We think now I need to consume all this content. No, you just need to like, consume something and allow it to transform. And I'll tell you why in a second. Pulls out a bag of fruit. I said, why? He's like, I'm a boxer. I need a weigh in at the correct weight. And my, my coach put me on the meal plan to high perform. And it just clicked for me all of a sudden thinking there's a plan. And I realized now reading Arnold Schwarzenegger's autobiography is that he used to work out covering his whole body besides his worst part. I lived life covering up all the worst parts and only showing the best part of my body. The difference between him and I is that I thought that my life and what I had was unchangeable. I thought I couldn't change my situation. He knew if he focused on a weak part of his body, he could change it and it could grow. And so when you talk about like that, this is a daily thing that we have to go through. On one side, it is notice that people with lung cancer that smoke a lot, they have all the whys in the world. People say, make, have a why that makes you cry. They have all the whys in the world. They need to stay alive for their family, but they keep smoking. They keep drinking. They keep doing all these things that are killing them. And what I found is the most important thing and the thing that we give our men when they, the biggest thing that they give, that they get when they invest with us is that they actually get a new identity. They literally put on a new identity for who they are so that their habits and how they act and the lens that they do life through is completely different. Meaning today, my unhealthy week has, it looks nothing like my unhealthy week at 17, 18 years old when I was 60 pounds overweight. Also my healthy week looks completely different because I've changed and my identity has changed. And now it's a completely different identity when you were 60 pounds overweight, but like, I'm not that anymore. In my mind, I'm not this, even though you see in the mirror, you were just like, that's not me. I reject what I'm seeing in the mirror. I'm a fit guy. And then that kind of led you to that. Is that what you're trying to say here? Well, I wish it was that easy for me. I took the hard way. I starved myself to lose the 60 pounds. I finally got a trainer at 19 years old because I just felt like I was plateaued. And during that process, I learned about I am statements. And that's exactly what you just said. Right around 20 years old, I was cleaning carpets. I'd failed in my business, 21, 22 years old, failed in my business. I was cleaning carpets, making about 1500 bucks a month, roughly. And I made $19,000 one year and 21,000 the next. So that's where I was at working for my dad. And so I was a guy that thought he was going to build this big business. And what happens is we start wrapping ourselves in our identity of where we're at right now. And it keeps us stuck. This is what keeps people that grow up in a certain family. They get stuck with all the things that they identify with in that culture. And they never change. These are the people that move from, and this is a bad example. So I apologize. It offends people, but I, I really don't apologize. I just mean it's going to offend some people. Uh, they'll, they wear bell bottom jeans or something like this. Cause that's what they grew up wearing. And they think, oh, I don't get influenced by society. Well, the only reason you're wearing those is because you got influenced by society. And then you move to California and maybe everyone wears skinny jeans and they still continue to wear the same thing. Like 
that they're a product of the environment that they grew up in and they haven't grown or changed. And so I just remember getting this point where for me, I was like, I am fat. And many times as a person, we allow these I am statements like I am broke. I was a broke carpet cleaner, dude. I was not about to go out there and meet new people. I was not about to go out there and act like I'm going to do big things in life because my life was affirming to me that I was a freaking loser. That's what my life was telling me. Can't afford a haircut, 25 a week eating out budget, $25 a week for two people. Could hardly pay the bills, was paying for my groceries on a credit card. I was a loser husband and it was tough to go out and meet people. And so what I found is that we never want to have an identity I am statement that we say about ourselves that can be changed. Like right now, when I got into this room in this office, I was cold. But now that I'm wearing this jacket and I'm all fired up because of this conversation, I am no longer cold. I am now hot. But if I, if I identify with something that can continually change, like I am broke, great, you're only broke right now. Don't identify as a person that's broke because it's a situation that can change. Whereas I am powerful is something that no matter what circumstance that you're in, you want to have forever. And so I started changing my identity and who I was based on the, the things that I was telling myself. The, the last part about this is that many people out there allow their external world, even think in your world, when they're going out and speaking with women or, and wanting to meet someone, they, they believe that whatever happens in that moment defines who they are. So they, maybe they feel discouraged because they got rejected. And what I started doing is I started realizing that there's many people out there that allow their external world around them to define who they are. So they go, oh, I live in this apartment, which I lived in 400 square foot apartment, cheapest one in all of San Diego. And I thought, all right, like I'm broke. And I started allowing the external world to influence me. And I realized that the external world would tell me who I was, which was broke. I couldn't afford my bills. I couldn't do all these things. And then I was like, that's who I am. And it was shaping the internal world. Then finally, I was like, enough is enough. I started investing and listening to stuff like podcasts like this. And I started saying, who do I want to be? Who am I really? What potential do I have? And I started looking at who I could become and the potential that I had on the inside of me rather than where I was at, right? If I sat there and weeped and wallowed about the fact that I was overweight, someone else who was fit and they knew how to get me to not be overweight, they'd look at me and go, dude, just follow me. Like, it's not that hard. You're over there crying about how you're overweight. But like, if you just follow me for a second, I know we could change this situation. So can you stop crying and just start doing the work? And all of a sudden I started changing. I said, you know what? What if I allowed the internal vision of myself, who I want to be, change my external reality? And you see this happen with people all the time. They go from Eminem who grew up in eight mile, now lives in these huge mansions. And it's like, you know, this, he's changed his complete situation based on what he thought was possible. I think and we can actually manufacture that. So allow your internal world to shape your external world, not the opposite. A big thing I took on my identity when I was going through my whole transformation and getting better with women and learning this for the first time, even also with business, I, I, it was almost like brought it to my eyes. It was like, I have to go through this again, but I've been here. I've already done this is have faith and put in my identity is maybe I don't know this right now, but I can learn and I can grow and I can figure it the fuck out. And it was that core piece of my identity of realizing, I don't know what the hell I'm doing, but that's okay. I trusted myself that I will figure it out. I will learn from it. And I will put the pieces together. So even it's like my success mantra. I'm allowing myself to be garbage right now so I can become a legend later. And not beating myself up for it, just being like, it's okay. I'm, I'm giving myself like permission to suck as I figure it out, as I like put this all 
uh, together. And I think for a lot of guys, you know, they go up and talk to a girlfriend and they get rejected. Like, well, I'm ugly and awful and all these bad things. Therefore, why even bother? Uh, I know, Jimmy, you know, you were talking about how ambition is one of your top traits you look for. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's actually, it's funny. I, I love everything you're saying. Um, I actually, I was doing a podcast of my own a while back and um, I was talking to this woman. She's, she's a Wicca, like she's a witch. Um, and uh, but what she was telling me is uh, something is, is words are spells. Like what you say about yourself are spells. You're literally casting a spell on yourself. Totally. And that I'll never forget it. I was like, wow, like that was honestly my moment where I was like, holy shit. Like, cause I, I you know, I come from, you know, self-deprecating humor and I, you know, I'm, I'm constantly like when I do silly, stupid things, I'm like, oh, I'm so dumb. I'm so this, I'm so that. And as soon as she said that, it was like, it was like a spell that I was like, oh my God, I need to stop talking about myself like that. And, and like going back to what you're saying, like your I am statements, I am this, I am that, like, I am this right now. And that's not me who I am, like, altogether, like who I can be in the future. And, and that's, you know, and I've kind of been going down this, like, self growth path as well. And it all comes down, I believe, to the words that you speak about yourself to yourself. Um, it's huge. It's huge. That, what you just said is really, really good. And you, you mentioned something that was like, it's okay to have thoughts. So people know that maybe they don't know. So this might be education, but thoughts then become emotions and then they become a feeling. And then after they become a feeling, then they actually reaffirm what you thought. And then it becomes a belief, but and you can actually cycle. catch a thought right. before it ever gets to that point where it gives you that feeling, right? If someone says something negative to you, you think about it and then you process it and then you feel this negative gut feeling afterwards. And what you can do is you, you can say things like, okay, I'm having a broke experience, which is the word that I use. Like I'm having this bad experience, but it's not who I am. I'm just having an experience that can be changed. And even when people have talked about this with losing weight, they say, no, don't, don't even say lose weight. It's become a common thing to release weight because if you lose something, you can find it again. And mm -hmm. what affirming what your friend said is that I always say that whatever words are spoken, they reverberate in the walls until they accomplish the thing that they were said to do. Mm -hmm. I'm like, they sit there and they hover around in the world and they wait till they can pounce and, and become fulfilled that almost words create worlds is mm -hmm. what a friend of mine said. And I go, all right. Yeah. Like I, I get that. Like nothing, nothing in our life that isn't first in the unseen world is in the seen world. Like nothing, this light bulb was never created first in the seen world before it was created in the unseen world and everything in our lives and everything in the world is first created in this unseen world before it's ever created in the seen world. Cause there's no way to create it if it's not first thought of. And so mm -hmm. we create these worlds. So I a hundred percent agree with you. So one of the main reasons I wanted to bring you on specifically is because we get all these guys coming on talking about, and girls, uh, talking about attracting and in, in the business world analogy, attracting is like selling. But I want to go into being attractive, which is like equivalent to being a great product. So in your mind, what, what do you feel are really attractive traits for guys that allow meaningful relationships to happen with women? What can guys do? If we're talking about like, you know, losing the weight, getting in shape, uh, being ambitious, having a business of your own, setting up something for yourself. Are there other things you've seen that uh, help make guys just more attractive in general? 
Yeah, that's a really great question. So this is the normal thing. So I've been married now for almost nine years. My wife and I have been together for nine and a half. Like I said, my son's nine months. We've been able to build this business together. And so throughout that process, I'm not going to talk about anything that I haven't experienced and known. And if I haven't experienced it, then I'm going to say that I haven't experienced it and I'll refer someone to a book. I'm really big on this in the business as well. I don't want to tell people something that I've heard. I want to tell them something that works, that I've done. Well, if not, I'll bring someone else in. So one of the hardest things, man, that I've found is that men want to be themselves, but they don't truly know who they are. And that also keeps them from changing into who they're meant to be. Example, when I was 18 years old, I dressed like a skateboarder because I used to be a skateboarder. When I was 23 years old, building my first million dollar company, I dressed like a skateboarder. And I was no longer a skateboarder, but I thought, this is who I am. Like, I, I mean, this is me being me. Like, if you guys don't like it, I wear a van, skinny jeans, and a skateboard t-shirt. Like, that's who I am. And then all of a sudden in my life, I just realized any part of my life that isn't growing is going backwards. And I've allowed myself to grow as a person and my business and my skill sets, but I had never grown in my fashion. The quickest way right now for a guy to become more attractive in business as well, even to other guys to meet people is cleaning up. I mean, we're talking haircuts and clothes first. Second is health, taking care of themselves. And realize this, that tactics are only good if they're actually practiced. Like whatever you do to attract someone into your life, whether it's business, a woman, is what you have to do to keep them. So if you're not being yourself and you're consistently stretching yourself and you're not actually that person, you act like you go to the gym, but you don't. I get those guys all the time. I go to the gym five days a week. You're out of shape. I don't get how it's possible. They, they, they went to the gym five days last week. They don't go to the gym five days a week. But for some reason, it's short-term memory loss with, the, with those things, but not with the other things. So, um, so that's the first thing is like living the life is what's most important, right? If, if you're going out there pursuing something passionately, that's going to be super attractive. Someone who's going towards something. I told you guys that I wasn't trying to get married. I was just into things. And I was like, man, like I want to go out there and make a big impact. I want to go out there and buy real estate. I want to go out there and do things. And that process led me to someone that was like-minded. I remember my now wife, she posted in a Facebook group. This is how we met really. I went to an event. I flicked a paper football, hit her in the back of the head. She looked back at me and I tried to act like I didn't do it, but I was the only one there. Out of like 30,000 people, I was in the back row. So she knew it was me, whatever. I had a dream actually that night that my wife was at the event, which was weird, but I didn't know who it was. So I thought of like every hot girl that I had seen at the event and I was like, wonder if it could be her, wonder if it could be her. And so anyway, life went on and I got into this Facebook group that was like a commonality of people that were all going to the certain school. And my, my, now wife, posted a Ferrari jet. Now this school is like a ministry school where people would go all over the world, serve the poor. My wife now posts this Ferrari jet, sick. And she goes, if I'm meant to serve the poor, I at least want to travel in this thing. And it was so interesting because it, that was the bait. In business, that was like how you attract your ideal client. She was being herself. She got tons of ridicule, right? All these Christian people were like, Oh, like imagine how many mouths you could feed with that plane and like all the things that don't really matter. She was just like, if God's big, then God's big. End of story. And I, I was like, yes. So I messaged her privately. I go, I'm so glad that there's other people that also think that anything's possible. And if we're going to do something, we might as well do it big. 
And that's kind of how we connected, but realized that that's just the beginning, right? Me meeting my wife, I could have driven up in a rented Lamborghini with a sick fitted Tom Ford suit with a brand new cut. And if I had you guys dress someone for a day, go out there and do what they're supposed to do, they'd pick up a girl. End of story. Because it's like, it's a representation of who someone is. If I drive an R8 to go get coffee and I pop out, it's not necessarily the R8 that is like what's attractive. It's who is that person behind that? Because I identify with that. And he's, they're speaking my language. Even me, if a guy shows up to a cafe in an R8, there's two reactions. This guy's a dick, right? Because like, oh, this fucking asshole. Like, that's what we think. Or it's like, sick. This might be a guy that I'd like, I'd like to talk to. Like, there's something about it. It's attractive, even to me. I'm like, hmm, this sick. I want to meet that guy. If I'm going to meet someone at this cafe, it's that dude. So, but the biggest thing is, is if you attract someone, you have to do the same thing to keep it. That's where being yourself is most important. So that's why they get people like you in their corner. They get good friends around them that can push them to become their best selves and also let them know when they're not being themselves. Because this happens as well. Because if you're stagnant, not growing, you go, well, you know, I'm just a balding guy who likes to not work out and sit in a computer chair and just, you know, sit there and, and play games all day. That's just who I am. And if a girl wants me, then she's going to have to know that I don't take showers but once every two weeks. Got it. That's not being your best self. That's not what you're called to do. Continue to grow. Become your best self, not yourself. Be your best self. And that's going to be super attractive. Whatever you do to attract someone, it's a lot harder to be married for nine years than it is to pick up my wife when I first met her. But you I have to consistently be consistent with what I do in life that attracted her in the first place and continue to grow and be a person of growth if I want to keep her. So haircut, fashion, number one, number two, health is after that. So even in business, dude, when I first changed my clothes, it's insane. I was finally like, you know what? I'm going to change my clothes. And I don't know what this goes, if this goes with or against, but this is my experience. Go right. I was a skater kid and I went and got this guy to help dress me for my brand. I go, dude, I want to work with these high net worth guys, guys that are ambitious, guys that own businesses. And my, I, my clothes are definitely not helping, right? If I was a billionaire, then I can wear the crappy clothes because then I'm like, F you, I'm a billionaire. And that's part of the brand and persona. But what they don't know is most of these billionaires that wear junk clothes, when they go sign a deal with Coca-Cola or a jet company or Warren Buffett, they wear a suit because they know what room they're in, right? If you look at freaking uh, Superman or Batman, they don't wear the suit to bed and everywhere they go. But when they're going to go be Batman or Superman, they go wear the suit. When they're going to be Bruce Wayne, they be Bruce Wayne. Like you have different outfits and different things you do for different scenarios. But we grow up as average America like me. What, what's the pants that you could wear to work on the yard and go to dinner? The shoes that you can work on the yard and go to dinner and work? And like what's the most overall versatile thing? And you have to wear the same thing everywhere you go or else you're not being yourself. So I get this blazer. I get uh, driving shoes, which I never had. And they wanted me to cuff up my little ankle and like show my ankle. And I was wearing these slacks and belt and a button up shirt. And I was I like, for you for driving shoes? They, they wanted me to wear like these loafers, right? Like driving shoe loafers. And so I'm like, all right, whatever. So I go to my dad's house cause it's on the way to this mansion party. And I'm so embarrassed. I'm like, my dad's going to call me a freaking queer. Like, cause my dad's like old school, but he didn't. But I was like, this is my fear, right? As my dad's gonna be like, what the, like, what the hell's wrong with you? Like, you don't like women anymore or something. And I, I, so I put on the slacks. I don't put on the shoes. I don't put on the watch. Cause I was even embarrassed to wear a watch. Cause it just was so out of my normal. I'm like, 
I'm not one of those guys that thinks he's too cool for school. That's what watch people do. So I got this watch, I got this blazer. Two miles before this place, I put on the clothes, put on the, the shoes, I put on the watch. I show up there. This place is like Rolls Royce, Rancho Santa Fe, San Diego. I had a BMW. They're like, can you park that like down that way? So I walk up with my wife, 25 compliments. We counted them throughout the whole night. Never been complimented before. See, the fear of standing out with what we wear, being different, it's scary because it can give you a compliment, but it also can get you rejection. Whereas if you just dress neutral, no one ever notices you. Do you really want to walk around not notice? I got 25 open conversations without me having to start them. And the only person that hated on me was working security. And I thought, well, he's not really who I'm trying to attract. So he was like, oh, who the hell is this guy with his freaking rolled up pants and whatever? And I was like, thank you. Like that just affirmed that like these people are like, I didn't want to talk to this guy. This person's like, hating on me because, you know, he's just being a hater. And that's where I realized in just one day, everything changed. Health takes a little bit longer, but being a healthy person, I'm sure Jamie could be like, if you see a guy crushing down a chili dogs all day, drinking Coca-Cola, like it's just not cool. It's actually, it's funny that you say that. I've, I've walked away from two relationships because of the things, the things that they would eat themselves. And sometimes like they're like freaks of men are also freaks of nature sometimes where they can eat anything they want and still not gain a pound, but um, not all the time though. But, uh, but it's funny though, cause it goes back to what you're saying when they first were courting me and trying to impress me, they then get comfortable. And that's kind of the thing that I, you know, it's one of the reasons why I left uh, one of my relationships is like, I didn't want to, glean from that and become comfortable as well. I want to continue to strive to get better, get better, get better. So, so I have a question for you when it comes to, you know, you being uncomfortable, obviously you're walking up to this party, you have all of these, you know, cool clothes and whatever you're, you're feeling uncomfortable because you've never done this before. So many people say, fake it till you make it, fake it till you make it. What does that actually mean? What is that? You know, what, what kind of tricks or advice do you, do you give people to understand and be confident when it comes to faking it till you make it? Yeah, so that's a really great question. Because I'm from a business world, this is where I play game. Like this is where I play ball. This is my like court that I play is business. I don't believe in faking it till you make it. What I do believe in is you really can't know if something, if you like something, if you've never done it. So I'm like, uh, like, of course, have your like morals and boundaries. I'm not saying like, go do drugs. And like, I don't know if I like drugs. I have to try it first. No, like if you, no matter what, if you put your hand in fire, it's not going to feel good. We learned that in the past. Okay. Like there's certain things that are just truths. I'm not big on fake it till you make it. What I am big on is who are you becoming? And what I noticed was I started asking myself, I go, well, if I was actually who I want to be confident, wealthy, powerful, would I be afraid of wearing these clothes or am I actually just afraid because I'm afraid to be rejected and which one's powerful? So I really, the biggest thing that I did that's really difficult to teach on the podcast is I actually just laid down on the floor, put on some music. And if I could just say something, let me, let me shelve this. If the guy that you dated would have just been his normal dirty self from the beginning, he probably wouldn't have attracted you and probably would have attracted someone else if someone's into that. But because he was being someone that he wasn't, Someone that you're not is still going to be attractive to somebody. 
The problem is, is it's going to put all this pressure on you to have to be someone that you're not. Being yourself is also going to be attractive to somebody. It's just you have to be yourself to maintain that relationship. And there's too much incongruencies of people like switching who they are and also self-awareness, which is why you have this community around you. Like the community is what helps you be self-aware. I had an employee once that legit thought he was the most self-aware person ever. He ate these Brazil nuts and mouth open. My family looked at him like, dude, I'm going to punch this guy in the face to the point where I continually yelled at him, close your mouth. Like I was so mad because I'm like, you're eating nuts with your mouth open. I'm about to shut it for you. I was so frustrated because he just never noticed. So going back to the fake it till you make it. I laid down on the carpet because for me, I was a carpet cleaner that thought he was going to be a badass business dude. I flopped my first business, thought I was going to do amazing, lost all my confidence, stopped investing in myself, stopped getting around really good people, which these are all key things. Get around people that are where you want to be. Get around people that are confident. They say that first you learn how to uh, play other people's music before you write your own. Mm -hmm. So first you need to understand like what genre do you like? Start getting around that. Start playing the songs. And then you can pick up your own music. Same with your life. Who's living the life that you want? We'll start looking at how they goal set, how they got there. And then as you learn from them, then you can create your own goals and what you want out of life. But if they have what you want, maybe go do what they did. I just laid on the carpet. I go, I'm a broke carpet cleaner. Why would anyone want to hang out with me? I don't have anything going for me. And typically as men, anything that we have, we don't think it's important anymore. We're like, we only look at what we don't have, which is right. not a good thing to do. I had a wife. I, I was living in San Diego. I had I was a fit body, great friendships, but I'm like, that's not good enough. I need to make money. So I, I sat there and I said, I'm not going to get up from this, this spot. I'll die here of thirst, starvation. If I do not at least just see a vision of who I could become. I just want to, I want to visualize who would I be in 20 years if everything worked out really, really well. And here's why. Your mind inside here doesn't know the difference between what's pictured in your head and what's out here. Because all you're doing is taking in information and your mind's creating the story anyway. Right. Much like when your friend calls. Go ahead. I don't know if you read that, but I think it's I haven't amazing, read it. amazing for identity check. So people read that book. So I have not read it, but I would like to read it. So everything is input. If, if Jamie were to say something, Nicholas, can I tell you the truth right now? I would... I'd, maybe think she's going to say something bad. And then she doesn't. But I felt those bad feelings, which wasn't real. It was a fake reality world that I was living, but it was real for me. Mm -hmm. And everyone's situation is real. So what I started noticing is that if, if our memories can be future and past, what if I can actually tag on to, and this is good for people to know, a goal that's not emotionalized is just a wish. I think this is from Napoleon Hill's books. You, emotionalizing your goals, connecting yourself to it, feeling the senses of smelling and tasting and using all these things to create a memory and an experience. So I sat there and I thought in 20 years, where would I be? I saw myself on a yacht and my family's left me right from zero to two. I was left at daycare from two to four. I was left at preschool. I was dropped off at school every day at 6 30 AM and picked up at 5 30 PM. I was just dropped off places. So I was, my family's all stuck on a boat. They couldn't get off. It was amazing. I was like, everyone's together. I'm on this big boat. And I started feeling like, how did I feel? And I was like, man, I feel prosperous. I feel powerful. And I started asking myself, how would he act in, in the, today? Like, we, would he be afraid what people think? Would he be scared about what he's going to say? Would he think that he's a broke carpet cleaner? No, he'd, he'd know where he's going because now he's, he knows he's going to be on a yacht in 20 years with his whole family. 
And so all of a sudden I just started picturing this and this is where it became less about fake it till you make it. And it was more about knowing where I was going. I was like, man, I know where I'm going. I know I'm not going to stay here. Right. When you think of Facebook movie, if people go watch that, it's a very interesting movie from like 2010, 2011, but Mark Zuckerberg wasn't inside of his dorm room going, well, I can't do this. Like I'm just a stupid kid that just knows how to code stuff. He was like, no, I'm going to go get all these schools because I'm building Facebook, which is going to be this big company, but it wasn't, but he knew where he was going. And so because of that, he was able to act as if. And so I think there's a big difference between fake it till you make it, which is not connected to yourself, not connected to your best self, not connected on seeing where you're going, having a vision for something. And then there's having a vision, connecting yourself to it, seeing it before it happens, much like when Walt Disney died. Oh, I mean, I wish you could have seen Disneyland and Disney World. Everyone was like, you obviously didn't know him that well. He saw all this before it ever happened. Right. And much like that with my life, I've more so seen it before it happened. So that doesn't give me the fear of rejection. Imagine if people did this with a relationship. They go, oh, I know that I'm going to have a great relationship. I've seen it. I've already like experienced this before. So when they get rejected, they go, I don't care because I already know it's going to happen. And my business became that way. Guys would call us and not buy. I go, dude, no problem. What can we do for you? What can I give you? I don't care. I already know I'm building this vision. It's like, I've already seen it. And if you're not a part of it, other people are. So don't worry about it. And all of a sudden, abundance came on the situation rather than scarcity. It's so interesting to me how people think 10 years from now, I'm going to have this great life, but they act scarce right now. They, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it this next year. I, if I could say this real quick, I had a family member reach out to me and they go, I want to buy a house for cash in a year. And then I go, great, that's amazing. So where are you renting? They're like, oh, we're looking for a place right now, like around 2000 bucks, but I don't know if we can afford it because I missed a payment three years ago and I don't want to get myself in that same situation. And I go, so which one is it? Are you somehow going to have the money to pay cash for a house in a year? Or are you afraid that you won't be able to pay rent in the next year? Those are two conflicting beliefs. Mm -hmm. And often what it is is that Tony Robbins says, people underestimate what they can do in a year or overestimate what they could do in a year. Oh my gosh, I could do this thing in a year. And they underestimate what they could do in a decade further out. And so often people are very scarce today, but they're very hopeful about the future. Like, ah, tie yourself to the future so you can be hopeful today because you know where you're going with your life. It's a design. It's a very tight rope. And the, the thing that I would say about that is that all of these things like relationships, if you pick up a girl or pick up a guy, you then have to do relationship for if you want to be in a committed relationship, you have to do that indefinitely. Yeah. And those are going to take hard conversations, consistent growing, not just growing now. And so even with this stuff, it's like, that's why you have mentors. This is why you have community around you is so that you have those advisors that if you're falling off track, they can say, Hey, like I want to keep you in account for your ability. I see greatness on the inside of you and I see you're not measuring up to your ability. That's what I think accountability is not dude, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. I told you to do this. No, that's like, that's, that's keeping people in account for their disabilities. I don't keep people in account for their disabilities. I keep them in account for their abilities. Your people around you should see better things inside of you than you see, not worse things. So how does you keep it all like balanced? So, to speak? so I mean, you're, you're running a business, you're having a great relationship with your wife, with your, you know, with your child. I mean, you where do you find time to say to work out or to take care of nutrition? Do you have like set times for everything? Is it very like rigid, structured schedule, or do you just make the time? Like, 
Because I know for a lot of guys, I'm already talking to you, but like, I'm so busy and so busy to do anything else that adds to my life because these other things distract me. So how do you answer guys too busy to do other things that would be great, better for their lives? Yeah, so the guys that are saying that are, are totally full of crap, 100% full of crap. To the point where literally if they just didn't sit on the crapper as long as they did scrolling on their phone, they'd probably have time to do whatever you're asking them to do. Like those guys are totally full of crap. So this is what I do. I have a mentor of mine, Navy SEAL, for the last decade. One of my biggest mentors and one of the biggest things he taught me is I was not a man of commitment. I was a man of look good in front of people and then when people aren't looking, don't do any of that crap. So like when I was in wrestling practice, when I was a kid, when the coach looked at me, oh, I was, I was in it. The coaches thought I was amazing. The hardest worker on the team. As soon as they weren't looking, I skipped the workouts. I'd show up late to things. I didn't follow through on my commitments. And I saw him follow through on his commitments all the time. If he wrote a workout on the board, if it took two hours, he'd finish it. If he said he was going to be somewhere, everyone knew he was going to be there. And all of a sudden that became extremely attractive to me. I'm like, I can count on this guy. Like this is the first person I've ever seen say he's going to do something and do it no matter what, even if he doesn't want to. I've even seen him get hurt. Walking his dog, he fell face planted. He was bleeding out of his face and he finished walking his dog before he ever cleaned up. And I asked him, he's like, I'm more afraid of what would happen if I don't follow through on my commitments than what will happen if I actually follow through on it. Meaning if I invest with someone, oh, I invested in this coaching program. And of course, if they do a bad job, that's different. But if they're doing it, you know, oh, I don't know if I want to do it anymore. No, 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 that's breaking a commitment. And all of a sudden that builds distrust with yourself. And so there's two types of commitments. The easy ones are commitments to others. We talked about doing this podcast, so I'm here. If I didn't do it, well, then Jane goes, man, that guy's such a dick. And Jared's like, oh my gosh, like what's up with that guy? And I have to worry about that. So people show up to the commitments that they make for others. That's the easy one. But what about the commitments we make to ourselves? Hey, tomorrow I'm going to wake up and I'm going to work out. I'm going to eat healthy. And then we get tempted and we eat unhealthy. And what I found is that the most important commitments that we can make are the commitments to ourselves. Because what happens is when we break those commitments, we have a 15% higher chance of breaking the next commitment. And this becomes a repeatable cycle if it's not addressed and almost like repented. Repenting just means to change directions. Like I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to stay in the same rut. I'm going to change that neuro pathway. And what I found is that when we break those commitments, this is what happens. We say, I'm going to work out tomorrow. Our subconscious mind goes, no, you're not. Like you ain't going to work out. I know you. I don't trust you. And then all of a sudden we have this conflicting self where it's like we say something and we're already telling ourselves, I'm not going to do that. There's no way I'm going to do it. And so here's a couple of the ways that I overcome that because generally we make commitments when we're comfortable. It's one of the dumbest things ever. We're like sitting there by the fire and it's 10 o'clock at night and we're sipping on hot cocoa and we're like, you know what? I'm going to go run in the morning at 6 a.m. Like that sounds amazing right now. And we make the commitment and then when it's hard, we don't follow through because we've now set ourselves up for failure. So typically what I do is I, I take people through a, a process of trusting themselves again. This is how I get everything back. Because one of the most powerful things you could do is stop doing things that don't matter. Like when I worked with all these guys and consistently work with them, make health their top priority, mental, physical, spiritual, emotional. Doesn't mean it takes the most amount of time. It just means we get it done no matter what. It's top priority. You can't show up in your relationship. You can't show up in your business fully if you're not optimized. So we put that in the calendar first. Second, I believe relationships, especially family and spousal relationships are more important than business. Other people are a little bit different. And then third is my business. 
But there's so many other things in life that we do outside of those categories. I don't allow those things to get in the way of those three because those are my most important. So my day is actually very simple and with lots of free time. And though I work a lot, go to the gym and eat healthy and spend time with my family, I've said no to all the things that would normally we put in priority of all those different things. Because we think, oh, it's urgent. We need to do it. I need to put all these people first. My neighbor knocked on my door and he asked if I could mow his lawn. I need to go over there and help him. I'm like, sorry, dude, can't. Appreciate it though. I already have something. If it doesn't fit inside of here and these aren't done, I do those priorities first. So what I do is you set a goal. What is your goal? Most people, they go in the gym, they go, I want to lose 60 pounds. I want to lose 60 pounds. I want to lose 60 pounds. I want to date this girl. I want to date this girl. I want to date this girl. Well, you don't lose weight that way. Hello? Like you can't walk around the gym saying, I want to lose 60 pounds. I want to lose 60 pounds. No, you have a goal. So you or maybe some friends can get together and put together a plan. Once you have a plan, all you need to do is the actions every day and then track them and see if they're giving you results and change the actions if they're not working. So what we do is we bring in the target. Stop trying to hit all these huge lofty goals and work out five days a week for an hour and bring it into, I'm going to show up to the gym five days a week. I'm like, I can do that. And really what I did is I brought in all the targets. Like if you, if you were to go to shooting range right now with someone who's great at shooting, most people, they put a target 20 yards out and they just start shooting with a handgun or whatever. Well, actually, if you want to be good, you bring it into five yards, you shoot a whole clip. As long as you get it in, in the actual circle, you move it back to 10 yards. Right. And you don't move it back until you can hit every single shot. So maybe and if you miss, you bring it back in. Yeah. Where success is something that you can control rather than outside of your control. You can't control losing 10 pounds. But you can say to lose 10 pounds, I'm going to walk for 30 minutes a day and show up at the gym. Start building that trust and momentum again. There things that are actionable that you can actually do. And that'll help you build trust and also saying no to things that are outside of those top priorities because those are the things that are going to fuel you to live the life where you could do the things that you want, but it takes stepping back first. Right. There was a, something I learned. I, I don't know if it's like Tony Robbins or um, you know, one of those, but uh, it, smart goals and smart as an acronym, right? So smart mm -hmm. as specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and timeable. So, so I love what you said when it comes to, you know, losing weight, I, I feel women also have this all the time where, you know, they're so concentrated on, okay, I'm going to, I want to lose five pounds. I want to lose 10 pounds. I want to lose this, lose this instead of going, okay, I want to lift weights, uh, you know, three days a week, do cardio for, do the actual things that are measurable, specific, and actually having like a timeline and a plan instead of focusing on the result, you're focusing on the cause. And that's kind of another like shift as well, because that's the only thing that you can control. Same thing goes with like, you know, I used to do door-to-door -door sales for three years of my life. And that was something that I used to teach the people that I would train, you know, going door-to-door -door is like probably one of the hardest things you can do. And, and people, I want to make a sale. I want to make a sale. I want to make a sale. No, you want to knock on more doors because that's the only thing you can control, right? The only thing you can control is how many people you're actually meeting and just play the numbers game. More people you're going to meet are going to lead to that actual result. So don't focus on the result, focus on the cause and the only thing that is the only thing that you can control. So it's very really smart. very, very smart. Very smart. Awesome. Uh, and what, so let's go into your life. What is an average day in your life? 
Yeah, that's a really good question. So it changes quite a bit. We, in our company, we have four main things that we do every single month maximum. And inside of that can be anywhere from writing a book to hosting an event that you saw that I just did three weeks ago and big, huge virtual event, virtual stage, physical stages, traveling. But my general average day is I wake up in the morning, always staple of coffee and water, water first, then coffee. I spend time with my son. My wife loves eating breakfast. So I've done intermittent fasting for years, yet it's a great time to connect with my wife. So my son now eats breakfast, my wife eats breakfast, and we all eat breakfast together. And inside of that, we do our, our B2B rituals. Our B2B rituals, which people want them, uh, I can link them up. We take everyone through them. And it's like, what are the things that are the repeatable tasks in my health and my relationships that I want to do every day, like drink water and all these things? And then what's the top three things I want to get done today that are going to move the needle the most? And my wife does it, I do it. And we both come together and we ask, where do we feel uncomfortable and need support from yesterday? Where did you feel uncomfortable yesterday? Like you felt like, ah, oh, there's something that I don't feel comfortable with in the situation. Let's address it and get some support around it. What's getting done? What's not getting done? We go through that every single day. Um, from there, I start looking at and planning the day on the actionable items that I have. We look at the calendar, we plan my calendar, and then 11.15, we jump on a team call. Our whole team gets together for 15 minutes. We track exactly what our number one key metric is we're trying to push forward in that month. Plus, we track the, the projects that we're working on, and if anyone has any type of sticky points or something like that. From there, it's all about action on the day. Um, generally, I'll go to the gym right before that meeting, and if I don't get it before that meeting, I always will go later in the day. I generally will work till about six. And then from there, we'll have some dinner. And I'll either actually work again after my son goes to bed. So we'll stay up till about eight. I'll either work again until about 10, or I'll just spend time with my wife for the rest of the night. And that's typically like every single day what happens, especially during COVID is this simple process of I spend a lot of time with my family in the morning, all this time planning and excitement, and we end the day together as well. And depending on if I have a project that I have to work on, I'll work on a few things at night as well. But again, my wife and I, she's our COO. So when she's like not taking care of my son, which we don't have a home assistant in our new house yet, it's like, it's time to get some stuff done is, what, is how it happens. The biggest thing I'll say about all of that is that it's less about what you do and it's a more the reason why you do it and it being aligned with everyone else. Meaning that when I work a lot, let's say on a day, if my wife didn't know why I was working on something and she just thought, why is he not spending time with me? Why is he not looking at me? Why is he so like, like strong, high strung and stuff? She'd be upset. Like I've had times where I don't go to bed with her when I'm planning a big event. I'm like, ah, oh, just I'm behind. I need to do this. If I just did that, I'm the jerk that didn't go to bed with his wife. She loves going to bed together. But when she understands what I'm doing and why I'm doing it, now all of a sudden she can come together and she goes, I can't believe he's staying up late tonight. That's so amazing of him that he's building the future for our family. And it's a totally different energy. So the biggest thing that we do is we do that commitment, come together every single morning. We reflect on what's your schedule? What's my schedule? How can we align together in the morning and understand what we're doing and why we're doing it so that we can support each other to get there? And we don't have a long period of time that things go unaddressed if we're feeling uncomfortable. And those are the biggest things for me. If my wife is feeling down or something like that, everything stops. And it's like, all right, let's, let's connect. Because in my priorities, if the gym, same thing, my health, it's like, I go and do it. In the relationship, it's a higher priority than the business. So when push comes to shove, that comes first. And what I found is this, that 
most people think if I just focus on my business and a lot of guys tell me, oh, I would never get a wife or I'd never get a girlfriend. It's just too much like BS. It comes with all this crap, takes your time away. You can make so much more money without it. Dude, it's such BS. If it wasn't for my wife, legitimately, I would not be who I am today. She's literally pushed me to become great because she's the closest person to me and she only sees greatness. And so inside of that's like a consistent process of us supporting each other to become our best selves. And what I found is that through optimizing your health, you can show up better each day. Through optimizing your relationship, you can show up and not have all this negative. I don't know if anyone's ever been in a freaking argument before in a relationship, but it feels terrible. And then it allows you to go out there and be empowered to build the business bigger than if you were doing it all by yourself. People think, oh, dude, the president of Morgan Stanley, when I cleaned carpets, I cleaned his carpets. He said, you're married? He's like, that's the worst investment you can make. Like you have like a 55% chance of failing and you lose 50% of everything you make for the rest that you made for your whole life. And he's like, that's terrible. All I know is that this guy had unicorn carpets in an empty freaking high rise apartment by himself with 200 piss stains from his little tiny dog on the carpet, lonely AF. And I was like, but I don't want this either. And I was like, this is the best thing ever. But I get, not everything always works out. It's difficult. It's tough. That's why it's a relationship. So the reason I talked about commitment real quick is this is what happens in relationships. If people don't know what part of the relationship they're in, what boundary, people either ask for too much or too little. But inside of an intimate relationship, the biggest thing around it is that commitment trails above intimacy. This is my opinion. For If you want to build a long-lasting relationship, meaning a one-night stand would be the, the lowest level of commitment and a high level of intimacy. This to me is all distrust. It's really difficult to build upon that because it's like, I've given you all my intimacy, but like I haven't given you any of my commitment. And then like, I don't know, I've, I hooked up with a girl in high school and it was like, I never talked to her again. I like looked at her and I was like, I don't want to talk to her ever again because we had all this intimacy, but no commitment. It was so weird. And so all of a sudden I realized that like, if intimacy is trailed by commitment, that means the more commitment you have in the relationship, intimacy goes with, it's a very easy way to track like, all right, like I'm not going to, you know, kiss this guy until he says like we're dating or something like that. Like, and this is my opinion, what I think is best. And what happens is that you feel this level of love and then you get a conflict, which is bound to happen. If you don't have conflicts, it means you don't have a relationship. So when you have a conflict, if you don't have commitment, this you're like the people that tell you to F off and they don't know you, you're not going to go talk to them. There's no commitment to the relationship. Sure. But if a family member you guys get into some type of argument, you might come back and say something like, well, we're family. Like we'll always be there for each other. When things get really hard, you come back together. That's called commitment. So inside of relationship, that's the highest level of commitment. And what it does is that when you are in love, you go through an argument. Most people, they sweep it under the rug because they don't have the commitment to go through it. They're scared if I bring this up, then they're going to leave me. I'm not going to be with them anymore. And so then they just sit there in this weird conflicting Thing where it just builds up until it explodes and then they find themselves drifting off and they're completely different people. Commitment allows you to talk about those hard things and they found that love cannot grow without greater understanding of whatever it is that you're learning about. So as you get to know your wife or your husband or your girlfriend or boyfriend more, you can love them more, but not until you know them more. So that, that conversation gets you to know them more. You can better understand. You communicate to understand not to be right. When you communicate to understand, you can now understand each other better. You overcome that obstacle because your commitment level is higher than the thing that you're going through. And on the other side of understanding, you get to experience a higher level of love where you get to recommit to the relationship and you've now become more bulletproof. And we just try to allow those things. We can hit things head on because I'm not scared of my wife leaving me. Like no matter what I've done, 
Even a girl comes up to me, tries, starts kissing me and I kiss her back. Oh my gosh, what did I do? I can't believe that. Like she just, she's like, no, I know who you are and I'm committed to this relationship. And we're able to talk about this, which allows us to go through conflict. We communicate to understand on the other side of communicating to understand it allows you to get over that argument, know each other better, love's grown, recommit to the relationship, more bulletproof. Going towards as much as we can towards unconditional love as possible to actually be there and not judging each other as much as possible. I love what you said there. I think uh, my key things for any real amazing relationship is when it's in trouble, when you're arguing, when there's tension, the number one goal is to understand each other. Exactly what you said. Okay. And when things are going well, when you know things are, you're liking her, she's liking you, the number one goal there is to appreciate each other. How do I That's appreciate cool. her more? And how do I make sure she's, you know, what can I do to make sure she's appreciating me? One of the best questions I asked, uh, you know, my girl was, is there three things that if you would, I could change or I could do that would make you appreciate me more? What would be super appreciative if I, and it was stupid things like, well, just the way you fold the laundry or if you could make less of a mess after you the bathroom. And so like for me, I dedicated myself to make sure when I went to the bathroom, it was spotless, just so I could give her a little, and this was, we weren't fighting, this was just on a, on a good time, right? What yeah. can I do to make sure that she's appreciating me more and more? And it makes the relationship better and better and better. So I love what you're saying. I think it's funny. One, I think what you said was amazing real quick, but I, I, I think that's a very smart thing that everyone should do what you just said. I asked my wife, where could I be better? Where could I show up better? We're all scared, right? We're thinking, oh, she's going to say that you need to go out there and crush this and do this. And she said these simple things. I wrote them down on my phone. She was like, can I get a massage like once a week before we go to bed and like something else that I thought was like totally dumb. I was like, that's so easy. And simple. It's usually what it is. It's something simple and easy. Like, but I was scared. Like I thought she was going to drop the hammer. I thought she was going to tell me everything that I've ever done wrong. And it wasn't like that at well, all. Which is to be sure, I do suggest doing it when things are going well. And she's like, hey, yeah, yeah. really mad. Maybe not the best time. She's like, I'll tell you. Like that's when she might let on to you. But anyways, thank you so much for being here. You like dropping crazy amount of wisdom on us and loving everything you're saying about making these transformations. If guys want to learn more about you, they want to reach out to you. They want to know what it takes to be more attractive and successful. How do they reach you? Yeah, that's an amazing question. Uh, so the number one thing is that we have a Facebook group called the Billion Dollar Brotherhood. If you're on Facebook, you type in Billion Dollar Brotherhood. And the reason I say this is because I wrote a book called Modern Day Businessman. It became a bestseller, really took off as phenomenal. It's all about what it means to be that three-dimensional businessman. Really good for people that run a business, but also someone who wants to stand out in the marketplace, even if they're in a career. Dude, you'll you'll literally rise to the top in any career. If you were to read this book, it's insane. But I give it away for free for people that jump in a group and just learn more about us through watching a video. So if people want the book for free, they can go do that. And also on Instagram, I'm always active, showing our life, showing my son, showing my wife, showing business and all these things. And so Nicholas Barely on Instagram, shoot me a quick message and I would love to connect and hear your story. Is, is it for ladies as well? You said brotherhood, so I just was... Yeah, so physically, we only work with men. Yet, if they were to read the book, I really feel like it'd be super impactful. For me, I just made a declaration years ago that I don't know what it's like to be a woman. And I saw many women's group out there, and I also saw people like Jamie that that already wanted to do these things. Like women are already really multidimensional and they want to be healthy and they want to like have great relationships and they want to have a career. And it's like... They're so good at that. And guys are so far behind. They're the ones that are like not eating healthy. And, and they're the ones that have no habits or routines. And they they good at talking to people. But when they come home, they're assholes. And so I was just like, I know what it's like. 
And so I started speaking to that. And also it gives the guys a place where sure. they can talk and not feel like they're trying to put on a persona for the other women in the room. So I personally only work with men. My wife has a group called Billion Dollar Babes that we haven't really released yet, um, just to run on BDB as well. And But there's other amazing women groups out there, just personally for me. All of our stuff is men's only, our group's men's only, the book anyone can get, and everyone has men in their life. And so you're probably already doing well if you're a woman, to be honest, and probably just need to send some of the guys our way because they probably are the ones that need help. And I always say that nicely. Women are amazing. I really, I really think that women are really far ahead and are having to take on a lot of the load that the men have dropped off. And they're carrying heavy loads right now, personally, I think. And it's stressful, but they can do it. Like they're very versatile. They're very strong. And I feel that as men, it's not so much that women can't do something. It's more about the fact that when we do what we're really good at and women do what they're really great at, it makes us both feel really energized and excited. Right now, women are kind of carrying men's load and they're kind of running around in circles like chasing a squirrel. So, um, so wow. I did thank you so awesome. much. Uh, once more, check out BillionDollarBody.com and the Billion Dollar Brother on Facebook. This has been with Nicholas Barrett. So thank you guys for listening.